Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619 U.S. only. Draft format, just like you would your season-long draft. Now, three ways to sign up on draft. If you've got an Apple phone, go to the App Store, find the draft app. If you've got Android, it's in Google Play. And, of course, you can do it on the desktop as well at playdraft.com. Now, here's the important thing. Make sure you use promo code GRINDERS because you're going to get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $600 on a deposit. So sign up using the promo code GRINDERS and you can start crushing the competition over at Draft. And be sure to uh, even join a contest live with us right now on our Draft Show coming up next here on Grinders Live. What is going on? Welcome to the DFS Pick 6 on Roto-Grinders. I'm Eric Crane, joined by Rich Rebar and Evan Silva, of course, the two. The two of the best in the whole business. Rich, what's up, man? Man, what's going on? Here we are, you know, really knocking on the door. Training camp's about to open, and it's, it's like really officially about to be football season. Thank God. Evan, what's going on with you, man? What's up, man? Just trying to figure out how to tweet the show out, you know? <laughs> so that people can watch hey i don't want to hear anybody say that you don't go all out like eventually you're going to figure out this twitter thing you're going to figure out this technology stuff we got the lights figured out before the show as mine just shuts off right there what a fun time ah evan are you ready for football season man i mean you had you just you have to be ready you know you've got to be ready um there is no other choice you know, I mean, yep. what, not be ready. I mean, you have to be ready. And so we're ready. I'm ready. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get things started with the one and only Kenneth Dixon. Rich, I know this one hurts you. He's got a torn meniscus. He gone for the year. And Rich, I know you had some shares in best ball this year, didn't you? Yeah, we had talked about extensively the Baltimore run game last time we did a show a couple weeks ago, and I had been pairing Dixon and West up, you know, kind of like hodgepodge of starter in in these best ball leagues, and we did an event last night where I took both of them again, and so, I mean, you're, you're already out at a zero there, um, but it's, it's kind of an interesting situation because I think that everyone's going to be all over Danny Woodhead when they should have already been all over Danny Woodhead. I don't think it really changes his situation much. I mean, I already had him projected for roughly 22% of the carries and 15% of the targets. I don't think that those can really go much higher. The cool thing about Woodhead is I kind of don't gravitate to his type of player, the PPR receiving back, because they don't score touchdowns. But Woodhead is a guy that's proven to score touchdowns. So he's a guy that deserves like that locked in like RB2 draft ADP and then even higher in PPR leagues. I mean, his last three full seasons, he scored seven, eight, nine touchdowns. 
You know, he's not a guy like Duke Johnson that's out here scoring three touchdowns every 300 touches and, the, and these other types of uh, PPR only backs. Uh, Woodhead's a guy that's found the paint. And when you look at Baltimore the past few years, Kyle Jusick has led the team in targets, receptions, and touchdowns uh, out of the receiving game inside the five the past few years. So Woodhead is a guy you should have already been on. I think he'll probably get priced up pretty high. But the guy that really impacts is, is Terrence West. I mean, you look at Terrence West last year. When he just had half of the Ravens carries in a game last year, he was an RB2 or higher in seven of the nine games. Uh, so, I mean, he's a guy that's probably going to balloon out to at least like 250 touches on the year. He probably belongs in the Spencer Warish, you know, kind of area of these guys in like timeshares and where their ADP should be. I don't think he'll get there in terms of ADP. So I think he'll have some RB2 flex value still going forward and obviously carry some touchdown upside. And I don't think it's locked in that they bring a guy in in Baltimore like everyone's suggesting because they already knew Dixon was going to be out the whole entire first month and didn't bring anyone in. And they um, – um, I lost my, my train of thought there. but You're bringing uh, a running back into uh, Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that it's locked in. They, do. they have no cap room either. So, I mean, it, it's, it's easy to say they could bring in a guy like Rashad Jennings, but they're still okay. I think Woodhead and West is still okay to go in the season with. I don't think that they're going to really press to bring in another guy. They've got – some some bums says depth and Lorenzo Taliaferro and Javoris Allen, you know, Buck Allen there. But oh, I don't Buck Allen. That, oh man. I don't think it's locked in that they pursue a guy either, though, really. Um, Buck I'm Allen sure that's that a wreck preseason DFS, by the way. Oh, is yeah. he? Shh. <laughs> I would tell it. anybody. If you're watching this show, you know all about Buck Allen. And um, boy, he's not good, but he's gonna crush in the preseason. So Evan, what do you <laughs> No, I'm sorry, you heard you said it right now. I love uh, it. I love it. Evan, you know, we're talking about Terrence West a little bit, and I think everybody can get behind Danny Woodhead, but Terrence West isn't a sexy name in fantasy. People don't want to click on the Terrence West. Where do you stand on him this year in best ball? So I think that from a purely stat projection standpoint, the for sure absence of Kenneth Dixon does help Terrence West the most in terms of pure pure stat projections, okay? But Kenneth Dixon was the second-best pass-catching back, you know, in this rotation. And so Danny Woodhead now essentially does not have competition for that role. Whereas I think that the Ravens could very conceivably bring in competition for Terrence West, who's real, real average. Um, and they, let me see what tender they extended him uh, because he was a restricted free agent. Oh, he was an original round tender guy. So they're, they're paying him the a non-guaranteed salary of one point seven 1.8 million Terrence Woods okay I think he's going to be on the team you know uh but I am not sure that he is going to be this locked in starter and actually I, I kind of wonder if Kenneth Dixon had been had you know the plan had still been for him to return in week five um had that more solidified Terrence West role because we knew we would get those first four starts from and we knew that they're not going to just bring in someone who's better I mean, Carlos Hyde has a lot of connections to the coaching staff in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and I think that the 49ers would be willing to give him up for probably nothing more than a fourth-round pick. Um, I mean, that is pure speculation. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, But I, I would be looking for the Ravens to potentially add another back, whether it be Carlos Hyde or uh, D'Angelo Williams. or you know, I think that they're going to have to bring in another guy because it doesn't seem like they're big on Buck Allen at all. Um, they're lost. <laughs> so Danny Woodhead has missed most of uh, two of the last four seasons due to injuries. In between, he has 
played. Um, he has been a top 25 PPR in his last three seasons played. He's been a top 25 PPR back in all three. He had a, a, a number three overall finish, which was very much propped up by that being a horrible running back year. You know, that was the horrible running back year where, uh, you know, the very few number of people um, that used uh, zero RB that year, you know, they, they won a ton of money mm-hmm. that year. Um, so, and I, I, but, and, and ultimately, I don't think this is a team that is going to be able to run the ball successfully this year. I mean, unless Greg Rogan truly is like a magician schemer, I do not buy into this offensive line. Um, and this team is a running unit. You have a statue quarterback and you have a bunch of holes on the offensive line. So, and you have Kyle Juszczyk and Dennis Pitta vacating 123 receptions, not targets from last year, receptions. Danny Woodhead should straighten mash in PPR. Um, and, I mean, I thought that that was the case before. But, I mean, it's just now he has a chance to do it free of competition for a 16-game season. I don't know if he can hold up. You know, I'm not an injury predictor. He's 32. He's missed a bunch of time the past four seasons. You know, he's missed almost two full seasons in that stretch. Um, but he should just just steady mash every week. Joe Flacco loves to check it down. Can you play – I mean, I guess, you know, maybe not DFS, but do you have any problem, Rich, drafting both these guys together, West and Woodhead? No, not in leagues like this because it takes care of it for you. You don't have yeah. to choose to start. I mean, yeah, I have no problem with – we did – we talked about stacking on the, the last show, and you're talking about two guys that are theoretically going to operate all the – have all the touches, you know, as, of, as it stands right now as in drafts and guys that facilitate their points in different, in different ways. So you're going to get the best of both worlds. You can easily stack these guys. All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about some of the camp battles that are going on right now. we got some quarterback battles. we got Deshaun Watson and Tom Savage down there in Houston. we got Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch in Denver. Every wide receiver in the history of the NFL is uh, competing for the Bills. Evan, what camp battle are you most interested in right now? Unfortunately, I did no preparation for this segment. <laughs> well, we got Deshaun uh, Watson, Tom Savage, Simeon, okay. Lynch. Yeah. Um, so Mike Gillisley is Mike Gillisley going to be able to lock this down? Because if Mike Gillisley can lock this down in non PPR or in, in half PPR, I think he deserves to be like a fourth round pick, you know, may, maybe even higher than that. And right now you get him in the sixth round. I mean, most of the time Reeves got him in uh, the pros versus Joe's. Would you get him sixth round? In the seventh. Seventh. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty hot. Right that's there a steal right there. Or do with double-digit touchdown upside, you know. I want to see him lock it down. Um, uh, other camp battles, um, I don't know. Do you, do you have any Reeves? I mean, there. I mean, I think Samaj P. Ryan and Robert Kelly is is going to be a fun one. I mean, obviously Washington. I don't think people really realize how like good Washington's offense was a year ago and the kind of opportunities they created. Uh, Kelly was a guy. I mean, we've seen a thousand Robert Kellys, man, for the years of watching the NFL. Like guys that get these guys that get a shot midseason, kind of burn hot for a couple weeks, and then fade, and we never hear from again. I hope that's not the case for a guy like Robert Kelly, but I mean, he definitely looks like he fits that mold. I mean, this guy basically had, he has like an NFL draft scout. If you look at his measurements, like his closest comparison is probably a mailbox. Uh, I mean, he's, <laughs> he can't really catch the football at all. I mean, he, he completely faded last year. He had just 70 yards on the ground just once over his final six games. I mean, 
Rumor, rumor had it that the Washington had P. Ryan as their fourth best running back in this draft class. They were, they were ecstatic to get him. He's a guy that can catch the football. I mean, he shared a backfield with Joe Mixon. Um, so, I mean, it'll be curious to see where, where he goes and first Robert Kelly. Because, I mean, one of these guys has a chance to be a real good value, I mean, considering the offensive attachment they'll have. Uh, but, you know, P. Ryan's going way ahead of Kelly right now. I actually was really upset. I said you had one pick before I had him dialed in. Um, and then one last one, I'm really curious about the Bears receiver situation um, because I really like what Cameron Meredith did last year, but I really kind of want Marcus Wheaton to like win a role because Marcus Wheaton isn't very good, but people think he's good on the outside and not in the slot and where Cameron Meredith really went just Boku nuts was in three wide receiver sets in that big slot role. So I think he can still get that with Wheaton and White still playing on the outside. I mean, Meredith was a guy that won people fantasy titles. He was a top 12 receiver all through the fantasy playoffs every single week. Um, so, I mean, I like the idea of he's, he's severely undervalued, I think, too, for the opportunity he, he stands to inherit. So, I mean, I kind of really am hoping Marcus Wheaton, you know, kind of beats out the Kendall Wright, Victor Cruzes of the world so they don't occupy like a true slot guy and they keep forcing Marcus Wheaton to play on the boundary. I was not yeah. expecting a Marcus Wheaton reference today, by the way. <laughs> Because I, I took him in that pros versus Joe's draft last night, by the way. They put him uh, Brandon Marshall, Julian Edelman money. So good, yeah. good job, Bears. You know, you guys are well run. <laughs> um, I, I came up with a, a, bunch of, uh, di- a bunch of different ones while we were waiting. 49ers backfield. Now, you need to understand that the 49ers have the toughest schedule in the NFL this year. We don't know real, you know, a lot about their, um, about their offensive line. Uh, and so, you know, that could be an issue. But – we, we, we want to see Joe Williams in preseason. I mean, he's, got, he's going to be the hottest button dudes to watch, one of the hottest button dudes to watch in preseason where he should shine. He had the second best speed score uh, in this year's draft class behind only Leonard Fournette. Uh, the 49ers obviously love him. You know, they're just – they're continuing to emanate these whispers that the 49ers are down on Carlos Hyde. I mean, and it started with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch talking about Carlos Hyde, you know, openly. Kyle Shanahan saying he's not a finished product, even after his best NFL season. And John Lynch questioned whether Carlos Hyde will fit in Kyle Shanahan's scheme. I mean, you know, if you really believe in a, in a dude that you were inheriting, you talk him up, you give him an extension. Carlos Hyde's in a contract here. Nope, they're mm-hmm. not extending him, you know. Um, so 49ers backfield, Broncos backfield, another team with a really tough schedule. Uh, and, you know, questionable run blocking. But I want to see D'Angelo Henderson in preseason, six-round pick out of Coastal Carolina. I want to see, if, is Jamal Charles going to get any reps? You know, did you guys see that picture of Jamal Charles' knee? It's like, oh, yeah. it's like someone's like, bald head. It, it yeah. looks like Hasim Rockman's head when Tyson fought Hasim Rockman. Or, Rock- <laughs> <laughs> well, did we really have a Marcus Wheaton and Hasim Rockman reference? Or was that the a same? Vander, it was Holyfield, right? It was Holyfield Rockman. Holyfield had the shoot. ears. That, that's amazing. Hasim Rockman had like that, that giant ball. <laughs> Panthers wide receivers. If Devin Funches is able to lock down a close to every snap roll, you know, to, to become a starter on the Panthers. I mean, this dude has eight touchdown catches on like, 42 career receptions, you know? So, I mean, he's huge. He's, he's another tight end. And he becomes a play in, you know, best ball leagues, potentially DFS, if we see him getting a lot of playing time. Last one, I want to just clarify that Lions backfield is not a competition. Amir Abdullah, lead back, Theo Riddick, passing down back. The real competition in that backfield is for the number three running back job. 
Okay, so that will be something to watch, watch in preseason. But I don't think that's an actual competition. That's a role-specific backfield. Do you is think that, that role is the touchdown role, though? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, they they don't. You know, you don't sign. You sign Matt Asiata for a reason because you because you think that you may need help in short yardage situations, right? I mean, you carry Dwayne Washington, Zach Zenner. Although those guys, especially Zenner, is just so underrated. Um, but I mean, they have all these guys that you, they can use in a role. It might be worst case scenario if Zenner wins that because they will feel like compelled to want to give him touches at times and to carve out a role for him because he's just a badass football player. And his specific role, you know, with Abdullah healthy, with Riddick healthy is to just carry the ball in short yard situations. How do you feel about the Lions backfield as a whole? I'm really interested in hearing about this because I've, I've, I have some Abdullah in best ball and I'm kind of happy about it. And then I thought about it. I'm like, I don't know. Rich, where do you stand on Abdullah? Uh, I'm out on him. I mean, he's what I refer to often as a purgatory player. I mean, he has no line to money touches like we kind of hit, hit upon. I mean, he's he's got like two touches for his career inside the five. I don't think they trust him in the area. Uh, he's got Theo Riddick has a lock on the receiving role. He theoretically needs guy like a couple of guys that get hurt that like really carve out a fantasy ceiling. Uh, he's probably a guy that's going to get be like the running back from varsity blues and like just carry the ball like <laughs> up into the 20 and like just kind of do work like that. He's a really good player and I loved him here Bill as a prospect, but tweeners tend to say tweeners in the NFL. I mean, the coaches put these guys in archetypes for a reason. I mean, there are only so many dudes that end up like Jamal Charles. I mean, and I think Abdullah is one of those guys, how they've handled him the first two years. Even last year when he caught the football in week one, it was when Riddick left for two quarters with a supposed concussion and then Such came back. Thing. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it, it's, he's just, and where he goes is just too tough for me. I mean, I've kind of thrown Paul Perkins in that same bucket of guys, just like where are these guys, guys getting receptions They're on these teams with these specific niche backs and they might not get goal line work. I mean, those guys just don't carry the kind of ceilings for me um, unless they run into players getting injured in their backfield. All right. Well, let's talk about processing camp news and Evan, this is your segment I'm in the best shape of my life asking this question. How do you go through the camp news? You process, you know, the noise from the what's actually going on. How? What's your process for doing that? Just grain of salt, grain of salt, grain of salt, you know. And it's just everything is a grain of salt unless something actually happens. You know, Kenneth Dixon out for the year. That's real. <laughs> Not in the and best shape of his life. You can make – relatively significant adjustments because that's real news okay the rest of the stuff is just i mean yeah do i you know do i like to hear that a guy is doing well in camp sure you know i'm not gonna raise his stat projection or push him on my ranking just because he's having a big camp in all likelihood i mean there are some situations i think it's just it's case by case and it's everything is just big grain of salt you know uh sigmund bloom has a good term for it sometimes he will be willing to make an adjustment on his thought process thought process on a player if there's like a steady drumbeat of Michael Thomas is, is the best example because it came from Sean Payton it came from every freaking beat writer on the Saints you know that, that covers the team it was the New Orleans advocate it was the Times picking you know, it was um, it was Sean Payton saying you know we, you guys should draft this guy in your fantasy league he openly said that um, and then uh, you know, it was like little things like they lost Kumano Anui and they wound up playing more three receiver sets. Then that, that, that's just something that breaks right. But it was a steady drumbeat for sure. 
So, you know, definitely, look, Devontae Parker is a really interesting case this year. It's hard to find him a lot of volume on a team that, that plays the style that the Dolphins played. But we've known for a long time that this guy can play. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that he can play. I think, like, at his basement, he's like a Braylon Edwards type of player. Like, he's that sort of talent. Um, and it's just, you know, an issue of, is the light going to flip on for him and are they going to call more plays for him and can they rely on him to be in the game more? This drumbeat was steady on Devontae Parker in the spring and we'll see if it carries over into camp and if we, we should see him make some plays in the preseason as well. Is there anybody other than Devontae Parker that's kind of that you're hearing about this year that's that's standing out to you? Um, at this, like just coming out of the spring? Yeah, or is it just, is it still a wait and see approach? I mean, Adrian Peterson, you know, he, he was crushing it. Um, yes. yeah. I have my shares. I'm happy to hear that. I, I, I love AP. I think Reeves likes him a lot too. You oh, know, yeah. so we're, 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 we're all on the, on the same page there. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys. You got anybody, Reeves? I mean, Doug Martin a little bit. You yeah, got- they've been pumping Doug Martin up so far. I mean, every Dolphins player basically seemingly, except for Jarvis Landry, has been getting yeah. love. <laughs> so, I mean, Poor that Jarvis. kind of ties into your thing, too. I mean, Jarvis Landry's in a contract here that gave Stills money. Uh, Parker has made – has made he made a big jump in year two to year one in terms of production, too. Yeah. It used, to, it used to be we waited on these guys, you know, two to three years, and Parker has the arc – like, he's got the career arc trending positively. Um, the thing that probably gets – uh, in the way of Devontae Parker is probably because they have those two guys now, whereas he's probably the best all-around receiver. They have a for-sure niche vertical guy in Kenny Stills, and they have a for-sure like underneath dude in Landry. They're kind of like carving to both like both aspects of what Parker does all-around all receivers. But, I mean, my buddy Chad Scott said, like, Parker's probably being a guy he tries to target in, like, dynasty midseason trades like all, all, like, all year. Okay. All right, let's talk about ADP risers because this is, um, you know, this is going to be a normal segment on this show when we're doing it for best ball. We're looking at who's becoming more popular, who are people saying, okay, now I want him, I want to make sure I get him, so I'm going to take him a little bit earlier than normal. Rich, we got a list in front of us. Who are the people that really stand out for you on this list? So, yeah, everyone's starting to come around on, on Manny Sanders, and this is the prototypical, like, example of what we talk about for what this type of format is it, it induces. I tweeted about this in June. Mike Beers put it in his newest article on Roto-Grinders uh, today. But if you look at the ADPs, Demarius Thomas has a 30-pick ADP difference from Emmanuel Sanders. And you look at the receivers that Demarius Thomas goes around, he just doesn't have the weekly ceiling that those receivers have. From an overall standpoint, he's there because he's a, a very high floor wide receiver post Peyton Manning but Emmanuel Sanders is the spike weak guy the guy that gets the giant hammers I mean post post prime Peyton Manning uh Demarius Thomas has been a wide receiver uh one just seven weeks that's it I mean Manny Sanders has nine uh last year Manny Sanders had three 25 point games Demarius Thomas had zero uh you know from a 30 pick gap you're getting a guy that's going to impact your lineup a lot more at a cheaper cost uh, you know, you got to take it to Marius Thomas over other spike players like Sammy Watkins and Allen Robinson, guys that have lower floors, but guys that are going to have higher weeks than Marius Thomas, where Manny Sanders is going in the areas of Larry Fitzgerald and guys like that. I mean, so that's one I, I like to see people that are on because Emmanuel Sanders is a guy that's proven to be not like a possession type receiver, a guy that's, that, that will drop big weeks and in kind of sporadic fashion. You know, it's a little weird because when you think of him, you don't think of him as that that splash week kind of guy but that's what he is 
he ended Philip Gaines' season last year. Like, they, his season was over. Like, they just stopped playing him <laughs> after that game. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, man. I was, <laughs> I was on Demarius that week, too, like a complete fool. Um, Evan, seriously, your face right there, you just just look like you're remembering, like, the worst car wreck in the history. You're like, oh, God, that was the Philip Gaines I'm just telling you that it was supposed to be the Marion's Thomas week that week. (laughs) Um, So, a couple of guys I've noticed movement on up up Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery is starting to be a third-round pick. He was a third-round pick in our pros versus Joe's draft last night. So, I'm going the third round of an MFL 25 or an MFL 50 today. Uh, I mean, he was a fifth-round pick for a long time, and he's not that anymore. And he's starting to creep into the third round as people are realizing what his what his kind of ceiling is. And then Terrell Pryor, I've noticed, is starting to fall a little bit. Uh, I got him in the fifth round of the pros versus Joe's. He was a fourth rounder for a long time in NFL MFL tens, and but I, I I I've seen him fall into the fifth round more and more consistently. Um, in recent weeks, just in various formats of best ball. Um, so those are two guys that stuck, stuck out to me. You know, I have different takes on these guys. Um, I, I like them both a lot, you know. Uh, I think that there becomes a time at time with Ty Montgomery where you just kind of just kind of let it go. Uh, with Terrell Pryor, you know, as he's slipping back, I mean, this is a guy who – in his first ever season as a wide receiver, went over a thousand yards for the Cleveland Browns. And now he's playing with one of the most efficient quarterbacks in football who is primed for massive positive regression as a red zone quarterback. And Terrell Pryor is six foot friggin' four, 240. That's, that, those were his measurements coming out of the supplemental draft. This guy's ceiling is enormous. And, and there are, there are flags, you, you know, with Terrell Pryor being the, being the free agent, uh, changing teams, um, you know, he's got to face Janoris Jenkins, but he also gets to face Jalen Mills and, uh, you know, whatever the Cowboys are going to trot out, you know, whatever not arrested, not suspended uh, defensive players the Cowboys are going to trot out. So, you know, whereas we look at Alshon Jeffrey and Des Bryant as having difficult schedules, you know, the, the same is not the case for Terrell Pryor. Yeah, and it's tough, like we talked about kind of that name sexiness, and Terrell Pryor just doesn't have it. You know, people, I think, still think of him as a as a whatever. But like you said, he's no, no, falling. No, 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 no. no? Hey, T, T, T Pryor is like the sexiest dude. Oh, come on. Oh, like, please, the at- please back me up here, please. Yeah, well, listen, man, uh, Terrell Pryor basically is like what got me in. He's what started the Konami code. Uh, I wrote that oh, article yeah. about him, and that was the week of DFS, that week one of DFS when I was just so heavy. It was probably my best week of DFS ever. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, the week against the Colts, yeah, where he started. He had like an 80-yard again. rushing touchdown, didn't he? Well, no, that was another week against the Steelers okay. where, like, he did that the first play, and then that was all he did the whole game. But the game against the Colts were – it was week one where he started as min pricing because he has the backup, you know, and then won the job. But, yeah, I mean, Terrell Pryor is a guy, I think, because people were on Cousins and they know that the, they know about the touchdown regression at this point because everyone's been harping it for Cousins. Uh, the Washington basically traded out a bunch of small receivers for a bunch of big receivers, you know, they, but they kept Crowder. Um, yeah, I think people are definitely still on Pryor. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's only played one-year receiver and already jumped to, you know, like a wide receiver, too, in terms of ADP. I definitely think he's a, he's a guy people, people believe in the upside there. I wanted to ask about one other guy, Dante Foreman. I mean, he got in a little bit of trouble, but he still is on the risers list. Evan, what's your take on Foreman? Hi. 
Bye bye. Is that what you're saying? Now wave. Now wave. Oh, that was the now wave. I wasn't sure. You didn't shake your head. Here, try again. All right, there you go. All right, we got the now. <laughs> That's great. Rich, do you have a different take on Foreman? No, this dude has already been. He came into camp overweight and has already been arrested for guns and drugs, and they haven't even put on pads yet. Yeah, but besides that, he'll be he'll be fine, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a I mean, it's a good way to get in the favor of the staff. Yeah. Yeah. So in, if you guys were wondering who is going to join the Cowboys next, I think we now know he doesn't even have to leave the state, which is good because he might not be allowed to be. All right, let's talk about some ADP fallers because I'm looking at this list. We already talked about Joe Williams a little bit. Sam Bradford is here. Rich, who are some of the fallers that surprise you? I'm still waiting for people to get on the guy that took Terrell Pryor's place. Like how come like no one likes Kenny Britt? Like he's just basically free. Uh, I guess Evan has, it takes assumption to the word free and fantasy drafts. He's not free technically, but I mean, he is undervalued. Uh, he's a guy that's basically produced on like a per target basis and per opportunity basis with just a litany of terrible quarterbacks. So situation shouldn't scare you. This guy held fancy viability through Jared Goff last year. Uh, they gave him a four year, $33 million contract, the contract everyone thought they were going to give to Terrell Pryor. Um, and he's basically going to walk in and, and, and basically account for 20, 25% of the Browns targets who are still going to throw a lot, you know, compared to the league average because they're going to be losing a lot. Uh, Corey Coleman's still more of a volatile option. Hasn't settled into like a, like a, what he's going to be in the NFL. We still don't really know. Is he just going to be like a lid lifter? Is he going to be all around receiver? Uh, we haven't really gotten enough, you know, from him. Uh, Kenny Britt's a guy that can be like a, a successful possession guy through the Kessler starts. I mean, Kessler was a highly efficient quarterback in terms of completion rate Kenny Britt just ran they basically just ran crossing routes with him and digs like all last year so he can do that and then if Kaiser uh, uh, turns out to be the quarterback you know mid-season he still is a guy that has a vertical playability as well that can kind of roll into that quarterback so I mean he's a guy that keeps dropping and slipping in these drafts I mean I'm more than happy to take Kenny Britt uh, uh, as often as my draft you know permits me to have him what are you ever do you I mean I assume you're banging the Kenny Britt drum too um, one, one potential hangup in the Kenny Brett is the potential reinstatement of Josh Gordon. Really? Uh, He's yeah, coming back? Which, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to predict it, but I think it's probably the chances are a little bit better than, than what people have given it credit for. Uh, I think he, by the way, is an interesting best ball pick. I don't think he's, you know, after so much time away, it's hard to imagine suddenly recapturing his elite 2013 form. Um, you know, without a few hiccups along the way, but I think that that's a, a potential hiccup. And I'm with you on Kessler, uh, I, but I don't know. You know, it, it seems like they're really trying to push Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah, I've heard a lot of talk about Deshaun Kaiser. Another oh, yeah, he's faller, play. another faller that I'm seeing here, Terrence West. I assume that's going to go the other way right. after it's uh, <laughs> today. Martavis Bryant surprises me a little bit, though. Why is he falling? That would be inexplicable. Uh, he's on. He's on the list. He's his difference in the last fifteen weeks is about eight spots. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's just, still holding. He's still holding what a rock, like a ADP like overall like around forty. So I mean, it's still high. Okay, I'm seeing forty-seven as the oh, 47? Yeah, yeah. So right, at the, right at the end of the three-four turn there. Mm -hmm. Reeves, do you like him better than Pryor? Like Martavis better yes. than Pryor? Yeah. I just I'm I'm. Part of me is starting to get concerned about the Washington situation as the season unfolds, because I think that they're an inept organization. And mm -hmm. at what point 
does if this is going bad you've got prior on a one-year deal you've got cousins essentially in a walk year at what point of the season does this turn what if they're like four and eight man they're like four and six or something to start the year like does this thing just could snowball? Be, could be chucking it a lot yeah i mean <laughs> but does it snowball i mean because i'm not saying these dudes are going to play bad it just they're starting to get like a to- i'm starting to get a toxic feel a little bit from the organization mm-hmm. but the off like this offense could be one of the best in the league though no, that's critical to have instincts, I think, like that with organizations that just have the potential to just go completely down the tubes. I mean, it's it's not super often that that occurs, but if you can avoid situations like that, you know, like that's, that could be a potentially big like landmine to step on if you have multiple investments in something that could go south, you know, potentially quickly or um, I think that's critical. All right. Well, what do you guys say we take a look at the pros versus Joe's team? And Rich, you're going to drop a link in chat, right? Uh, no, I'm not. I can't. Chat. Do you have the link? Oh, oh, I got a link. I, I get, oh. You want me to drop the, the Fantasy Mojo link? Yeah, yeah, sure. You can. Here. All right. I'm going to drop that link right now. All right. So, guys, what I just put in chat is the Fantasy Mojo link to the pros versus Joe's. Rich, why don't you guys tell us about this draft? You know, what's the format? What's the scoring format? All right, so it's a, a, a PPR best ball league uh, where you draft 28 rounds of players. Um, it, it's a tight end premium league, so tight ends get one and a half point per reception. That's kind of why you see all that purple if you're clicking on the link. You know, uh, how do guys like Travis Kelsey go at the one-two turn? Uh, that's why, because people panic and they, get, they, they hear those things like tight end premium and they throw the simple notion of things like supply and demand out the window and eventually you got to get caught you got to get in the wave or get caught in the wake uh so i mean i i kind of was did the latter uh where i tried to wait till as late as possible um but evan is a guy that took two guys two tight ends really early and kind of built his team around that you only theoretically have to start two receivers which you have two open flex spots as well so i mean wide receivers and tight ends still are your guys that get the big bump here uh as opposed to running backs and it's interesting to see the, the the league shift this year. You know, this is a essentially the past few years has been a big wide receiver heavy draft, and to see running backs kind of go early, especially in that second round, uh, was was interesting this year. But uh, I mean, Evan took two different approaches. It was it was really good. Uh, I kind of let like Mike Beers. We talked about like on a strategy standpoint. I kind of let the the front of my drafts dictate what I'm going to do in these drafts. And the way it fell to me was the best guys to take were just wide receivers on the board. I started the draft at five straight wide receivers that basically got to the point where it was am I gonna take a guy like Lamar Miller over a guy like Sammy Watkins in a PPR best ball league probably not like it just came down to those types of decisions am I gonna take Carlos Hyde over Devontae Adams or Tevin Coleman over Devontae Adams no so I waited and I ended up getting guys like Mike Gillisley and like Eddie Lacy I basically just tried to take chase touchdowns at the running back position um, and see what I can get like I said I did draft the Baltimore backs um so, I mean, hopefully I get something out of there. But I am starting with a zero. Uh, I did get Evan's guy, Rex Burkhead, at the end of there to ensure <laughs> Mike Gillisley try to monopolize some of those touchdowns if I can. But, yeah, it's a real fun league. They've been doing it for a couple of years. It's a big main event with, you know, hundreds of contestants. And, yeah, I'll let Evan kind of just break down his team. Go for it, Evan. Uh, so, the way that I approached it, so I, got, I had the 1.02, okay? So, I really like that draft slot in general. Because I know I'm just going to get whoever the other guy doesn't take, David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell. There was a time period where people were taking Ezekiel Elliott at number one, and that was, you know, even more spectacular. <laughs> um, but 
they're not doing that anymore. It's going to be David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell in almost every draft uh, this summer. That's why I took Le'Veon Bell because 1.01 took David Johnson. It came back to me. What I like about being in that spot is that usually I can get a big time back uh, on the come around and start with two RBs. And I definitely would have taken DeMarco Murray. Unfortunately, he went two spots ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I would have taken Jordy Nelson for sure, Michael Thomas, uh, Devonta Freeman, Melvin Gordon, Jay Ajayi went super early. Um, I would have taken any of those guys, but none of those guys fell to me. And so what I decided to do here on the wraparound was um, start Le'Veon and hit two big-time tight ends for the tight end premium. And then I was going to save spots at tight end and grab a cheap one. I wanted to get uh, Ben Watson or Jermaine Gresham super, super late. Reeves actually, I think, took Gresham mm-hmm. super late, and I took Ben Watson mm-hmm. a little bit before him. Uh, so I, I felt very good about my RB1 and my uh, and just being strong at tight end in a tight end premium league. And then I came back and I just hammered wide receivers. Six in a row. Larry Fitzgerald, Terrell Pryor, Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, John Brown, Tyrell Williams. Um, I don't know if that's going to be enough. I'm actually like, I was listening to the Pros vs. Joe's uh, online broadcast and they were like obsessed about my RB2 spot. But my bigger concern is that I have enough firepower at wide receiver. Um, I'm not sure if I do, you know, and, and so we, we will see about that. I, I wish I would have probably taken Ted Ginn over Ryan Tannehill. Um, I think I had that opportunity. Yeah. Ted Ginn over Ryan Tannehill. I'm sorry. No, I did not have that opportunity. Um, I mean, I just, I don't know if I, if I have enough wide receiver firepower. And then what I did for my second running back spot, I'm going to have a bunch of pass catchers competing for that spot every week. So I took uh, Darren Sproles in the 14th round. I took Shane Vereen in the 18th. I took both Raiders uh, change of pace backs and uh, kind of betting against Marshawn Lynch, who hasn't been good at football since 2014. Um, and then, you know, pretty much just, uh, you know, I don't know, kind of by the book, rest of the draft. So that was my approach. I, I wanted, I, you know, I got the stud RB1. I got two stud tight ends who should be able to rotate and, and give me big weeks. And, you know, so when they both go off, then one of them goes in the flex spot. Uh, and then you know, six wide receivers. I'm going to need like four, or at least like four or five of those big those guys to hit. And then um, you know, that, and, and then I, I have a bunch of pass catching backs competing for that RB two two spot. And Rich, obviously looking at your team, you went a little bit more running back heavy. You got Gillisley, Lacey, Gore, Dixon, McFadden, Terrence West, Burkett. You took a few more running backs than Evan did. Well, yeah, so, so basically the way the early ADP played out is I thought the best values were receivers, so that kind of steered me into, like, the shade towards, like, a zero RB approach, and I took another pass catcher, Gibran, on a six pick because I needed to get on that last wave, and you can see after Gibran went, it was several tight ends. If I would have passed there, I probably would have been really looking on the outside, like I said, caught in that wake of missing a wave. Uh, I did the same at quarterback position where I got in, you know, on the way back when it, when a bunch of guys ended up going in between. Um, but yeah, so going with, with a wide receiver heavy approach to start, it, it basically, I needed to throw more stuff at the running back position. I need to throw more roster spots at the running back position and hope they hit guys that have weeks. You know, that's why I took a guy like Darren McFadden, even if I can get, maybe I can get one start, three starts, maybe four. Uh, if, if he starts the year, 
uh, you know, Gillisley somehow falters. Maybe it's Burkhead, the guy that gets the touchdowns, the rushing touchdowns that we covet. The reason why we were on LeGarrette Blount last year is because of all that. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, just try to throw more stuff at the position. You know, I, I feel like I didn't go heavy at receiver to insulate myself there. But if in a league like this where it's winner take off, those if I suffer injuries up there anyways, I probably wasn't going to win anyway. So, I mean, I just kind of try to throw as much running back stuff at the wall after that. Does, so, so th this was my takeaway, you know, being in the draft room with Reeves and kind of examining what he was doing. First of all, he stole Devontae Adams like late in the fifth round. Which was, that is a steal. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was so praying like the, for Martavis there, man. He had two picks before. Yeah. He started like just smashing receivers, right? Mm -hmm. Then he goes for a big run of like touchdown scoring running backs. You know, he wasn't even thinking about pass catching running backs, essentially. I mean, Gillsley doesn't catch passes. You know, a bunch of these guys, Lacey didn't going to catch any passes in Seattle. You know, he he mm -hmm. just went for dudes who maybe could give him like two touchdown sort of games. Mm -hmm. you know? And and fill out his running back spots this way, that way, you know, and Reeves a really good drafter, man. I mean, he's everyone, you know, when they speak about Reeves, they talk about how good at drafting he is. He does really, really, uh, you know, he does really well in all the leagues that we play in. So he's a guy that you can definitely learn a lot from. All right, guys. Well, uh, oh, I know that's sweet. Like, I feel like we need hugs now. <laughs> Evan, are you a hugger? Um, only, only when I'm around people who want a million dollars. I'll be your friend, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for us on the DFS pick six. It's been a lot of fun guys. What do you say? We come back in a couple weeks. Sound good. Oh yeah. All right. Well, for Rich Rebar, for Evan Silva, I'm Eric Crane. We'll see you guys later. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. Hey, if you like free stuff, you're going to like Tim's Rewards by Tim Hortons. You can earn free food or drinks after every seven purchases. Cool. How do I win? Um, it's not a contest. You just use your Tim's Rewards card, and after seven purchases, you score a free coffee, tea, or baked good. Whoa, so I've got a pretty good chance of winning. Well, actually, you've got a 100% chance of winning. Those are great odds. <laughs> they sure are. Free coffee and more with Tim's Rewards. It's Tim Hortons' way of saying thanks. Valid only at participating restaurants. Please visit restaurant or timhortons.com slash rewards for full program details.